My name is Gavin Kramer, and I'm a senior associate at Collier Bristow Solicitors, specializing in contentious insolvency. In this short series of talks, I want to look at what are known as antecedent transaction or clawback claims. These are claims which can, if certain statutory criteria are satisfied, be brought in the case of an individual who has been made bankrupt by a trustee in bankruptcy, and in the case of companies which have gone into insolvent liquidation or administration by a liquidator or administrator to claw back or recover payments and other transfers of property made to third parties by the individual or company prior to their entry into these insolvency procedures. Trustees in bankruptcy, liquidators and administrators all have wide-ranging powers under the Insolvency Act 1986 to pursue these claims. Before briefly setting out the types of claims that can be brought, I will first look at the three types of insolvency procedure with which we are concerned in this series of talks. Bankruptcy, liquidation and administration. An individual can be made bankrupt on a petition presented in court by a creditor who is owed at least £5,000 or on their own application made online if they are insolvent and unable to pay their debts. When an individual is made bankrupt, the official receiver, who is a civil servant employed by the insolvency service, a government agency, automatically becomes the trustee in bankruptcy of the individual, but will quite often refer the bankruptcy to an outside insolvency practitioner who is an independent regulated professional for them to take over the position of trustee. That quite commonly happens when a bankruptcy is thought to be relatively complex or there are assets which need to be realized or recovered. An external trustee can also be appointed if the creditors request this. And it's generally thought that an independent trustee is better equipped to vigorously pursue any antecedent transaction or clawback claims than the official receiver. In the case of an insolvent company, a company can go into voluntary liquidation where the insolvency process is initiated by the directors who convene meetings of the company's shareholders and creditors, with resolutions being passed to put the company into creditors' voluntary liquidation and to appoint an insolvency practitioner as liquidator. A company can also go into insolvent liquidation if it is compulsorily wound up by the court on a petition presented by a creditor. That process is known as compulsory liquidation. If a winding up order is made in court, the official receiver automatically becomes the liquidator. But again, as with a bankruptcy, may choose to appoint an external insolvency practitioner in their place and will do so if asked to by creditors. And finally, there's administration. This is an insolvency procedure entered into to achieve one of three purposes. These are to rescue the company as a going concern, or if that's not possible, to achieve a better result for the company's creditors as a whole than would be likely if the company was wound up, or lastly, to realize property in order to make a distribution to one or more secured creditors. A company can go into administration of its insolvent through an out-of-court process initiated by the company itself or its directors, or if it's subject to a qualifying floating charge over all or substantially all of its assets, that process can be initiated by the charge holder if the company has breached its obligations under the charge. A company can also be placed into administration by the court pursuant to an administration application. Finally, I want to briefly set out the test for determining whether an individual or company is insolvent within the meaning of the Insolvency Act. 
This matters because in the case of some, although not all, antecedent transaction or clawback claims, it's necessary to show that the individual or company was insolvent at the time or became insolvent as a result of the transaction in question. First, an individual or company is insolvent if they are unable to pay their debts as they fall due. This is known as the cash flow test. Second, an individual or company is insolvent if the value of their assets is less than the amount of their liabilities, taking into account both contingent and prospective liabilities. This is known as the balance sheet test. In the rest of this series, we will be looking at four types of transaction and the claims to which they give rise. Void transactions, transactions at an undervalue, preferences, and transactions defrauding creditors. We will also look at the circumstances in which a claim may be made against a director who has caused his company to enter into one of these types of transaction. If you have any questions or concerns arising from this series of podcasts, please visit Collier Bristow's insolvency page on our website at www.colliobristow.com.